What would our world be without leaders, innovators, and kingdom builders? Welcome to Under the Crown, where you get inside the twisted minds of our host, Trey Carmichael, and the kings and queens in his circle. Covering leadership, marketing, sales, recruiting, management, and so much more. Under the Crown is here to help you build your kingdom. Are you prepared for the siege? What's going on, guys? It's your, it's your man here, Trey Carmichael, coming at you with another episode of Under the Crown. Today, I'm coming at you with my man, Trevor Crowley. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about what he does and why he does it for the people who haven't heard of him. Yeah, man. First off, thanks for having me on the show, you know, and reaching out. Uh, you're one of the young hustlers of the world that, you know, to be quite honest with you, you remind me of me, right, uh, a, a few years back, but probably a little bit smarter than what I was. Uh, at your age, but you're doing all the right things, right? Like what are successful people doing? You know, they're surrounding themselves with other successful people. They're starting podcasts for the purpose of expanding their network. Prior to getting on the show, you talked about, hey man, I've been building my network for the last six years. You're a forward thinker. So I respect that about you and I'm happy to be on the show. So um, for individuals that don't know who I am, my name is Trevor Cowley. Um, I'm a co-owner of Easier Accounting. I'm a co-owner of 60 Day Credit Repair, uh, an Everbowl franchise. I've invested in over 10 different businesses outside of the businesses that uh, that we co-own. Um, that's just a, a, a little piece. Um, we have a podcast called Real Business Owners. That's a top 1% business podcast in the world with 1.2 million downloads in the last three years. Um, so we're running and gunning. We're doing our thing just like you're doing your thing. So that's kind of a brief, I guess, bio of me and who I am and what I've what I've done up to this point. I love that, man. And thanks again for being here. So let's dive into the King's journey. Like, what is it like? How did you actually get to be where you are today? Delayed gratification. I, I would say that that's been the biggest flex that I have is I I can I can work hard and not see the result for a long time. Yeah. And I just don't think a lot of people have that type of discipline. They work hard for a period of time, then the money starts coming in. And then what do they do? Because they sacrifice for two years or three years, they want to quickly reward themselves. Maybe they have a wife and kids and their wife and kids also made some sacrifices over those two or three years. So what do they want to do? They want to rush to the reward as quickly as possible to reward themselves for the sacrifice and their loved ones for the sacrifice that they've made. And so for me, uh, when I was making uh, 120, 130 grand a year, I purposely drove a $3,000 Mitsubishi Lancer with no air conditioning for several years because I knew that that was an opportunity for me to get ahead. Since I'm not the smartest guy in the whole world and I'm very, very self-aware, I know opportunity finds two types of people, people that either have money that can take that opportunity, inject it with the fuel that it needs. In other words, the money that it needs to go to the next level, or you need a specific skill set, right? Like if I'm a great marketer, somebody might want to partner with me and I can do the marketing side of it. Maybe I can get 10% equity and say, hey, I won't charge you any of my marketing fees, but for 10%, I want to partner with you and I'll always be in your back pocket. We'll make sure that your business is flooded with leads and that we're growing at a, at a rapid pace. 
So I could trade that skill for equity. The problem is, is I wasn't the most educated or the most skilled person in the whole world. Now I was a great salesperson, but there's so many great salespeople. Sales is a dime a dozen, right? And so that's not a very niche um, skill set, so to speak. And so what I wanted to do is live on this much, very, very little, while my income was high so that I can do one thing, get access to capital. I knew uh, opportunities are going to find money. Since I didn't have skills, I needed the money. So if I'm willing to sacrifice for three years, four years, five years, and eat shit while I'm making a good income, I knew I would be able to stack enough cash to create more opportunities for my future self, right? Um, I didn't know what those opportunities would be, but those opportunities pre presented themselves. Luckily, I was smart about it, living in a $750 a month shithole townhouse, driving a paid off $3,000 car for a couple of years. So when opportunities arose, I had cash to inject into those opportunities. And I would say, um, Making money is difficult. Yeah, it takes discipline, but it takes real discipline when the money's flowing in and you don't spend it. You continue to reinvest it or you continue to stack cash for more opportunities later. And I would say that that's probably one of my biggest strengths. Absolutely, man. I think that that's where the vast majority of business owners go wrong, especially in this online space is they see a little money and they just start buying things. They think, oh, I'm an online marketer. I need to buy a Lamborghini and like just silly things mm -hmm. like that. And then next thing you know, they're now their monthly expenses are more than what they were more than what they're making every month again. And they're back in that just hustle. I need to go get it mentality. So as far as that delayed gratification goes, is that something you think you've always had or is that something you've had to train into yourself? Um, I just grew up really, really poor, bro. I grew up really, really poor. So um, I didn't need much. I didn't need much. I was so confident that I'd end up making it one day that I, I I honestly didn't feel like I needed to rush those things because I knew that those things were there for me in the future. And I knew that if I got them now, that it would be more stressful to have those things. It would be more pressure for me to have those things. And it would make the process of building a business a little bit less fun. I wanted to go into the process with a clear mind, uh, focus on what needed to be done, not be so worried that, oh shit, I've got 20 grand a month in bills that I've got to pay. So let's rake the business of its profits so that I could fuel a lifestyle, right? And so mm -hmm. I've just always been more of a long-term thinker, I guess I would say. Um, so delayed gratification came easy to me, um, if I'm just being straight with you. Okay. And what are you, what are the most used strategies that you're using when it comes to selling yourself? Like, do you have preferred sales tactics when you're meeting with people or anything like that? No, no, I'm myself. No. I'm myself. That's it. Like I don't do I don't really care to play the games or this, that, the other. I'm a very straightforward person. You know, there was an individual messaging me the other day and I'm like, dude, look, I don't like the small talk. If you've got something and you want to hop on a call and talk about potential business opportunities, great. If not, let's let's kind of just stop it here because, yeah, I mean, you, how's the weather? How, you know, I don't care about all that. Like, I already know the value that I can bring to any situation. And that is enough for me to go in there and say, if you want to do business, great. Let's do business. Let's win together. Let's make money together. If not, cool. You know, I'm again, I'm confident in myself. Regardless, I'm going to be where I want to be, whether it's with you or with somebody else. The decision's up to you. Right. And so 
I don't necessarily have to try to like sell, right? I'm just going to be myself and say, this is the goal. Here's the plan. Do you want to jump on ship or not? Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I would say confidence, directness, and understanding what you're trying to accomplish, where you're trying to go, and being able to convey that to another individual will make them want to hop on board as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, was there a mindset shift from just selling a package or selling a service or just selling an actual thing to selling yourself to get equity? Was there was there a shift in how you actually did that? Say that one more time in terms of getting equity. Was there a mindset shift as far as how you sold yourself whenever you're trying to secure equity over just sell a package or retainer or something like that? Dude, if I'm having a conversation about equity, um, I think that at this point in time, people know that the, the value that I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, back in the day, the equity that I would get that was obviously earned equity, right? Or investment wise. So I had to earn the money, then that money would ultimately buy the equity. You get to a certain point in business where you've failed enough, you have enough experience and that experience just by itself has value even outside of a dollar bill, right? So if they want some money and your experience, then great, let's talk about some equity, right? Or if they just want your experience, then it might be a little bit less equity on a consulting basis or whatever it may be. At the end of the day, I think, I think most people um, are too desperate, you know, and you could smell desperate. I'm not desperate because I know where I'm going and I know what I'm going to do to get there. And I'm okay delaying gratification. It's the only thing between me and everything that I want is time. That's the only ingredient that I can't control. I design my day. Every single day I wake up, I do the exact same shit. I work out twice a day, every single day. I have all year. I read every single day. I live a life by design. So in other words, I've designed the day and then I live that day over and over and over. And that's ultimately how you design a life. You know, it, it, you cannot find a human on the planet. If I say read every day, that they'll say that that's bad for you. Like it's undisputable. 100% of people will say, yeah, that's good for you. But why don't 100% of people do it? Guess what? We all know eating healthy and exercising is good for you, but how many people do it? Knowledge is not enough. You have to take action. So at the end of the day, I, I take action more than most people that I know. Mm -hmm. That's just a fact. I purposely do more than most people I know. Why? Because I have to feel deserving of everything that I have. If I'm not exhausting myself on a day-to-day -day basis, then I don't feel as deserving as what I have. And then I actually start feeling depressed or get anxieties or, you know, I may, my mind starts playing tricks on me. This year, I made I made a commitment that I'm going to work out two times a day, every single day. I'm going to read every single, I'm going to basically create a routine to where eventually my mind, that day becomes a record of the past and my mind can no longer sell me some bullshit that I'm not good enough because the record of the past says I show up for me every single day. Wow. Well. So what did it actually take to build that level of dedication? Is that how it's always been? That's not how it's always been. And, and, and I think that that's what's intimidating to most people is they think that they need to go from nothing to, you know, two a days or like this morning, I woke up, I woke up at five o'clock. Uh, I ran three miles to the gym. I lifted weights for 45 minutes and I ran three miles home. And then I'm going to move my body again tonight. Right. 
So I start my day with movement and I end my day with movement. It got to a point where I, I, I was feeling down and depressed, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm doing all the right things. I'm checking all the boxes. I'm doing what they say to do, right? And then I asked myself, what makes you feel best in your body and your mind? And I said, I, every time I go to the gym where I move my body, I feel good in my body and mind. So I decided, hmm, well, maybe I'm going to start my day like that and end my day with that. Because if it makes me feel good, why wouldn't I want to pull that lever as much as I possibly can? The problem is, is most people are trying to do uh, what other people think that they should do in order to feel good about themselves, rather than actually listening to themselves and saying, what do I feel good doing? And then pull that lever every single day, whether it matches what society says you should do or not. You just have to have honest conversations with yourself. And I think it gets to a point where, would I rather do two a days or would I rather be depressed? What's worse? Having my mind turn on me and being depressed is the worst possible situation a human can be in because you're living with the enemy. So why would I want to live with the enemy? Why wouldn't I purposely create pain that would ultimately give me the confidence and give me the reassurance that I'm the badass that I say that I am? Mm. The record of the past, my brain can't turn on me. What is it going to try to tell me? Dude, you only do two a days. Dude, you read every single day. Dude, you drink a gallon of water every single day. My, I'm, I'm basically, because our mind's a record of the past, it says you grew up poor. You didn't do good in school. You were a drug addict. You were, your brain tries to sell you all these bullshit stories to talk you out of doing all the hard shit. And then what ends up being hard is your life. Mm. I would rather have a couple hours each day that's difficult and have the other 22 hours be wonderful because my self-worth and my confidence is there. I have a personal integrity. The biggest thing that will get people to a level of success that they want to get to is personal development. Guess what? When I was a drug addict, all the opportunities that I have now were were available out in the world somewhere. I just didn't see them. I didn't have the right mental lens on in order to see opportunities. So I had to change self change inside so that I could see a different outside. I'm the same Trevor Cowley that I was when I was a drug addict, so to speak. In other words, my name, my date of birth, my everything was the same. But the individual was different because he didn't take any time and invest into himself. This individual takes time and makes himself a priority because when I'm performing at my peak, guess what? I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I'm a better entrepreneur. I'm more personally confident. When I say I'm going to do something, my mind actually believes that I'll do it. When I said I was going to run 37 miles on my 37th birthday, 39 days before my birthday, the furthest I've ever ran prior to that was five miles. My mind thought I was crazy, but I wanted to see if I could do it. I trained 10 times and ran 37 miles the day I turned 37 years old. And what that showed me is that we, we, we are our biggest limitation Yep. because we do not want to deal with something that's hard or difficult. We don't like struggle. We avoid it at all costs. Therefore, our life just becomes struggle. 
You could either chase struggle and it's all self-imposed misery. In other words, I impose waking up early on myself. I'm going to run 10 miles this morning. I Nobody's going to get you out of bed. Nobody's going to make you eat healthy. Nobody's going to make you go the extra mile. Nobody is going to force you to be mm. successful. You have to feel so shitty about yourself and your current situation in wanting to change that you'll do anything other than live another day as the individual that you were yesterday because it's that low of a feeling. It's that low of a situation that you're in that you would rather wake up early and go through those difficult struggles than just living with yourself. Absolutely, man. And I love that we're able to touch on that before we dive into all the nitty gritty of business and all that fun stuff. Because the reality is, is you cannot become a successful business owner if you don't get that stuff in check. If you can't hold yourself accountable, how are you supposed to set an example for your people and then, and then in turn hold them accountable? That's just not how it works. So shifting from the internal king's journey to the building of your business, like what was your first entrepreneurial journey? Oh, I invested in a trucking company that failed. Uh, what, what did you learn from that? Uh, to do more due diligence. You know, um, I was young. I saved up some money. There was an opportunity and I was so hungry to become an investor or a business owner that I just, I didn't look for red flags. I looked for the opportunity and there was somebody there willing to take my money that would ultimately make me an investor, uh, a business owner and, and check off those those names and I would be able to say that that's me right because I wanted it so bad I made errors trying to rush to get there right and so um I didn't I didn't review the agreements and the contracts as, as thorough as I should because the individual said look man we've got a lot of work I've got all these contracts that we could do work for what I should have done is I should have called those contracts I should have verified that that work was true and real because anybody could put together some fake agreements or contracts, so to speak. And I didn't know the trucking industry. I was young. I was dumb. Again, just hungry, trying to say that I'm a business owner or an investor that uh, I was just blinded by the fact that it was my first opportunity. And I just wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I wanted it so bad that I, I, uh, I shot myself in the foot on that one, but um, you, you live and you learn. I think that that is too common of an occurrence in this space. A couple of years back, I actually spent $30,000 on a uh, software that was supposed to do Facebook automation. And come to find out the majority of the features hadn't been working for months. And it was the same thing that I had just got over exhilarated with the idea of adding the title of investor, investor, software owner. Like I just wanted to add that. Yeah. So, for all of the people who are diving into this space and they, and they really want that title, what are questions that you've learned to ask and things that you've learned to look for so that you can avoid those deals that are really just going to drag you down? Um, I look, I look, I, I don't look at the business as much. I just don't because it wasn't it. it how many successful trucking companies are there? There's probably thousands if not tens of thousands of successful trucking companies so it wasn't an industry issue yeah it was an individual issue mm -hmm. right so i was working with the wrong person an individual that wasn't of character he didn't have integrity right and so but he was older i was younger 
he seemed to talk the talk. I was eager to become a business owner or an investor. And so there you go. Here's here's the money. And so you've got to look into the individuals that you're giving money to, not necessarily just the business model, because any business, I mean, there's fast food companies that make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and there's ones that go out of business. You know, it's not the industry, it's the individuals behind the business in the industry that will ultimately make the business work, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're betting on uh, the jockey, not the horse at that point, right? And so I was more so just, I just wanted to be in the game. You know, I wasn't looking at the really the jockey or the horse. I was like, cool, cool, let's do the deal. And so I do deals now with individuals that I know, like, and trust, and that, that that I know that they have character, integrity. If the business deal doesn't work, I knew it wasn't based upon lack of effort or the fact that they were just trying to screw me over. I know that biz, not all businesses are going to work. You know, we've lost plenty of money in business, but at the end of the day, it's okay to lose money as long as you know that the individual that you gave it to didn't screw you and it was a, just a legit, hey, this one didn't work, right? Yeah. So do you have key questions or any kind of tests, so to speak, that you put people through before deciding to partner with them? No, 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 I mean, it's no, not at all. I mean, I don't necessarily say, hey, this is this is what I'm going through. I, I literally only invest now at this point with people that I know, like and trust. My network is deep enough at this point with, you know, me and my partner, Kel, having joined four different masterminds right over the last four years like we purposely were growing and building our network so we were jumping into different ones and masterminds are full of individuals that one want to grow that want to better themselves um th that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not snakes in the grass there's always snakes in the grass that's just the way the way the world is right and so you could either focus on the snakes in the grass or you can focus on developing relationships with people that you know, like, and trust, and then just make sure that that's part of your, your MO, right? That's just who you are and what you do. You do business with people that you know, like, and trust that you can call on the phone, that you text back and forth with, hey, what's going on? Get updates, whatever it is. And so that's really the difference is our network has got so deep and I really only invest with people that I could see, that I know, and that have good intentions. Absolutely, man. So at your level, how do you decide which masterminds and networks to actually go be a part of? Um, I decide based upon the price. If the price is high, then we want to be a part of it, right? Okay. Because to me, that is a, uh, that's just a, the barrier of entry. The higher that it is, you know, the more that I know that there's less people at, a, at a, an extremely low level that's going to be in that room, right? Like when we joined the Arte Syndicate, when it was, you know, $6,000 a month, um, me and my partner, so we were paying $12,000 a month to be a part of that when they had two different levels. They had the Arte Syndicate and then they had the Arte Accelerator. They got rid of this top level, or well, I guess they got rid of the top level and the Arte Accelerator, and they just turned everything into the Arte Syndicate at the Arate Accelerator price point at $400 a month and they got rid of that top tier level, right? But at that six grand a month, man, we ha we now have a, a, a credit repair company that spits me and my partner out both 20 to $30,000 a month without us lifting a finger. We have another individual that runs that company that uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, he's our eyes and ears. He has equity in that business. Me and Kel each own 25%, but we, we made a contact 
when we were in Whistler, Canada at one of the RTA syndicate events, we were sitting at dinner, a guy, we, we had bought a credit repair process, the back end. We didn't know what we were going to do with it, but I didn't believe that the guy could fix credit as quickly as he said he could. And I was calling his bluff. I said, that's bull crap. There's no possible way. He said, give me somebody with crappy credit. So I went into our, one of our sales rooms. It was 12 different people. I said, who's got the worst credit here? A girl raised her hand. She says, I have 38 collections. I had a bunch of medical stuff. I just, life got out of hand for me for a period of time and I was just drowning. And so I just don't think I'm going to be able to get out of this situation. And I said, perfect. You're it. Within three months, she, she bought a home. Within two months, she was in our break room crying because she had a 720 credit score. She was literally crying. And we, we, we literally looked at each other. We saw another human being crying in our break room based upon the process that this guy was trying to sell us. And that's when we knew there was something there. This is real. Yeah. It's affecting people in a positive way. This lady just barely went from not thinking she's ever going to be able to own a home to being able to own a home within three or four months of going wow. through that process. And I said, we want access to something that's this powerful, that's making somebody this emotional, that has the ability to change their life for the better. So we bought that process, but we shelved it because we didn't, we didn't own a credit repair company. We just... We just saw its power. And so that's another lesson is like, yo, if you see something that's powerful, there's an opportunity there, even if you even if you don't know how you're going to use it immediately, right? And so we saw its power. We purchased the process for about six figures, okay? And we shelved it for probably 10 months. We didn't know what we were going to do with it. We just knew there was power to it, right? Um, we didn't, we didn't really know how to generate the credit repair leads at the time. We had other businesses going on. We weren't really focused on it. Okay. Um, we're sitting down in Whistler, Canada with an individual and he goes, you know, what are you guys up to? Da, da, da. What have you been doing recently? I said, oh, you know, we do this, 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 this. We bought a credit repair process like a little bit ago. We don't know what to do with it, but we plan on doing something with it one day. And he's like, really? He's like, I actually generate credit repair leads for a dude in Texas that just tried to screw me over. And I said, you want to sell us leads? He says, yeah, I'll sell you leads. And I said, cool, let's talk next week. We talked that following week and he says, I don't, I don't want to sell you leads. He says, I want to fly out to your office and I want you to show me the process and I'll show you how to generate the leads for yourself. He's like, we're just going to swap data, information. Because he goes, I don't know how to repair credit, but I know how to do the leads. You guys know how to repair credit, but you guys don't have leads. So if you give me what you got and I give you what I got, we can both run credit repair companies and we can turn it up. We can turn it down. It's, it, it's up to us to determine how big we want to grow it. Right. And so I said, let me, let me talk to my partners. I'll call you back or whatever. The next day I called them back and said, yeah, fly out. So within three weeks, he was in our office. We were recording videos. We were starting marketing campaigns. We, we loomed it all on, uh, on the, the TV screen here in the, uh, in the conference room. So we recorded the entire, the whole setup of the marketing, the, the recording of the ad, the placing of the ad, the running of the ad. Um, and now, you know, that company spits me out twenty to $30,000 a month consistently because I spent six grand a month to put myself in that type of a room. So was that guaranteed? No, it wasn't guaranteed. It was scary as shit to cut a check for $6,000 a month with a bunch of question marks. Will this be worth it? Will it pay off? Because of the cost, that was a barrier of entry that allowed us to be in a room full of people where opportunity is abundant. 
There's a bunch of high level players. Not only that, we met Aaron Wagner in that room and we've invested over a million dollars with him over the last two years in different business ventures. So not only do we have a credit repair company that makes us roughly $300,000 a year without really doing anything, we also have investments like the Everbowl franchise that I told you about. We also invested in the Everbowl corporate on the corporate side where we own a small, 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 small percentage of the actual Everbowl corporate company, right? And so these opportunities happen because we put ourselves in, in rooms with a high barrier of entry. These opportunities wouldn't have been available if it was a $500 a month group, right? And so that's how we determine which groups we wanna get in. We want a high barrier of entry so that we're not wasting our time with a bunch of scallywags. We're around people that are high level thinkers that are abundant with opportunity so that we can bring them opportunity and they can bring us opportunity. That's genius, man. So. I imagine another one of your networking tools is your podcast. And that kind of brings me to my next question is at y'all's level that y'all are at, what is it that made y'all want to launch a podcast? Um, the podcast, it was, it was initially social media stuff, just Instagram stuff, little clips. Right. Um, and because they were just like 60 seconds, two minute clips, whatever it was, we started getting and we started getting some traction, just putting out these little teeny clips. And so we started getting a lot of DMs. Hey, do you guys have a YouTube channel? We're like, no. Hey, do you guys have a podcast? No. Hey, do you guys do coaching? No. You know, they wanted more information. They wanted more content. So they were liking the one or two minute clips. And so we uh, we kind of looked at each other and, and a lot uh, in a lot of these groups, they say, hey, start a podcast, write a book, whatever, whatever build your authority. Right. Um, and it's always like, well, who am I to start a podcast? Right. Like, yep. you know, there's a million other podcasts. Why even do it? Da, 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 da. All the bullshit stories that you tell yourself. But eventually, you know, it was about three months into starting that Instagram page that we're just like, you know what, if we start a podcast, it's going to help us create more content. Um, so one, they'll get more long form content, which is what they want. And secondly, it's going to make it easier to actually create the content because we don't have to sit in front of a camera and try to think of shit. We're just rolling off the top of our head on a podcast and we'll just take clips from there and post it. So really that's kind of how the, the podcast was born. Awesome, man. And even at, even at your level, I'm curious what the other benefits that you've seen from that have been. Well, I will, um, the, the most recent um, benefit is the CEO that we have running easier accounting right now. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Squatty Potty. It was a, it was a product that was on Shark Tank. Um, it was like a little step stool thing or whatever they put under and you take a shit and it supposedly allows your bowels to open. I don't know. Yeah, that thing was viral for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we now have the, the individual that was, that was the CFO and CEO of Squatty Potty. After they exited for $300 million, he's now our CEO of Easier Accounting. The first wow. time that we met with him, he said, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I, he's like, I'm not, I'm not ready to get my hands dirty again is literally what he said. He's like, I don't want any part of it um, because we were scaling so fast that we were having problems, dude. Like, like any other business, you, you have one of two problems, either you're not scaling quick enough or you're scaling way too quick. Right. And so yeah. 
And so most startups, they're not scaling quick enough. So what do they do? They focus on all their time and attention on getting leads, scaling, scaling, scaling. And then by the time you're 10 years deep into business, you've done so much work over that 10 years that there's a tidal wave that eventually happens, right? Like yeah. all those business, every, everything compounded finally just kind of explodes on you, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened over the last year for us. And so we've had some growing pains. And so um, six, seven weeks ago, well, I mean, it wasn't that. That's when he came on, but we started looking for a CEO that has had exit experience because we want to exit the company for $300 million. Um, and it was just funny that they had exited for 300 million. He's a CPA by trade. This is an accounting firm. So he's worked at public accounting firms. He's worked in private companies, been a CFO, CEO. He's done a lot of amazing things. And we were kind of talking about the individual that we want to operate this company so that me and, and my partner, Kel, can go out and try to get more awareness and attention on the business. But there's somebody at home, mm -hmm. you know, eyes on operations, so to speak, right? And so we met with him. He says, no way, no way. I'm not going to do it. Um, and we're like, oh, man, he was literally the exact guy that we were looking for. And then our buddy that actually called him in the first time, Mike, um, called him in again and said, hey, one more, let's just do like a little mastermind session with him to see if we can help him with some things on their scaling issues. Right. Um, and he came in a second time. And he's like, dude, map everything out for me. So I've mapped it out on this glass wall for him. Me and him are just kind of chopping it up. Um, and, you know, he's given us ideas and things like that. But, I mean, there was really no discussion of him coming on um, as a, because he already told us, no, we just thought he was there just trying to help. Right. Um, and they left, you know, and then it was about a month later that our buddy hit us up and said, yo, hit Devin back up. He, he's ready to party. He, he wants, he wants to work with you guys. He started digging into you guys. He started listening to your guys's podcasts. He loves how real you guys are, how authentic you guys are. And he feels like that you guys are the type of people that he would be in alignment with. And so he's kind of changing his tune. And so he, we hit him up, boom, boom, boom. Three weeks later, he's the CEO of our company and um, the podcast helped get it done, you know, because how else is he going to get to know us, like us, and trust us in one or two meetings that were an hour, right? Like that's cool, but there's still people in the first meeting or two that they kind of have their guards up. They're kind of don't know how to fully be themselves in that situation um, because you're just slow. It's like a slow song and dance. Like, you know, you're just kind of working that relationship just a little bit, right? Um, but after after he peeled back the curtain for himself and started digging in and listening to the show, he really, really loved it and decided he wanted to come on board. And so that's the most recent win that the podcast has got for us. And I would say it's a massive, massive, massive win for us uh, to have that type of a mind at the head of our operations. Absolutely, man. I love that. So I know that you are, I know that you are a very busy guy and your time is valuable. We've already gone a little bit over what we had scheduled. So I do just want to ask, is there anything that I should have asked you about that you think would be beneficial to our audience that maybe I missed? Um, you know, I covered, I covered it a little bit at the very beginning, but I would, again, I, I would circle back because dude, here's the deal. You know, I grew up really, really poor. I didn't even graduate high school on time. I had to take, I was like a super senior. 
Uh, I was a heroin addict from the time I was 20 to 23 years old. Like there's a lot of people that have these self-limiting beliefs. They place labels on themselves like I'm not a reader. Guess what? I labeled myself as not a reader forever because that gave me an excuse not to read. So we have to be very, very careful about the stories that we tell ourselves and the labels that we own because we'll live up to those labels. We'll live up to those mm. stories. And so tell yourself that you're an individual that's do, willing to do whatever it takes, that delayed gratification is the way so that it makes it a little bit easier to get to that long, long, because it's a long road. You're not going to see massive success in the first three to five years. It's going to take at least a decade for you to absolutely change your life. But are you willing to make the sacrifices along the way in order to set yourself up for those big, big, massive, massive wins and a, a, a large amount of success? And most people stunt their growth around $100,000 to $200,000 a year because that's enough to start living just a little bit of a lifestyle. Then at that point, they get caught in that little six-figure trap. Six figures is the perfect opportunity to set yourself up for seven figures, depending on what you do with it. So I would just reiterate delayed gratification. Do what you know you need to do on a day-to-day -day basis and honor those commitments. Absolutely. And what is the best way for people to see more of you and get involved with you? Uh, they can check us out at, at Real Business Owners on Instagram. They can check out the podcast, Real Business Owners. They can Google Real Business Owners. You'll find articles about us. You'll find our podcast, our YouTube channel, um, you know, plenty of different information. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely, bro. Appreciate you. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the show so you're never left out in the snow. Do you want to build a business or get more customers online? Are you tired of spending all your time shackled to your business? Tired of being treated like the court jester? Not anymore. You can get a care package from Trey today for just a buck that will help you beat shiny object syndrome with Trey's favorite tool list. Build your online authority and network with your own podcast and by being interviewed on other podcasts. Systemize your business with Trey's seven pillar system. Hire a VA to get your time back and so much more. You heard me right. All of that for less than the last Starbucks you got. Go to TreyCarmichael.us and get yours while it's hot. Check the couch for that dollar if you gotta.